Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. What is up, know-it-alls? You got stuff you don't need to know. I'm Jay. Let's get down to it. So recently, I discovered a show on the Apple, Apple Plus network, the A Plus, I don't know, the network from Apple, basically. Uh, It's really the reason why I got Apple TV or I don't even know what this network is called. You know, the stuff that Apple puts out. Uh, And the reason, the reason actually that I decided to get this subscription is to watch a show called Ted Lasso. Now, Ted Lasso just finished up its second season this Friday. And since I never really talked about this show before, uh, I'm just going to kind of do an overview. I'm going to talk about the first two seasons, give my thoughts on it, and where I think the show is going to go from here. So, There will be spoilers in this. Uh, I'm probably going to spend the first couple of minutes just generally talking about the show. So if you've never seen Ted Lasso, I will let you know when the spoilers are coming. So like I said, it's the reason that I got Apple TV, Apple A+, again, whatever this network is called. Uh, It's the reason that I got it. Now, the thing is, uh, Ted Lasso stars Jason Sudeikis, who's also one of the main writers. And not for nothing... I was never really a big fan of his, um, I think. And it's kind of funny because in one of the episodes, because if you've, um, again, if you've never seen the show and if you've seen anything about Ted Lasso, though, you see that Jason Sudeikis has this very thick mustache, you know, almost like a Tom Selleck kind of mustache in it. And the thing that's really, really funny is, is there is in one episode where they talk about him either betting his mustache or losing his mustache or something like that. And uh, his assistant, a guy by the name of Coach Beard, basically, you know, says like, well, you know, what will happen if you lose that mustache. And he's like, I'd look like that guy on The Office, meaning Ed Helms. And that's the thing is I always kind of confused Jason Sudeikis and Ed Helms because they do look strikingly very, very similar. Uh, In fact, in the movie We're the Millers, uh, Jason Sudeikis is kind of the lead in it. And uh, he's actually, you know, not to like start discussing this movie. Basically, he's working for a drug kingpin played by Ed Helms. And when the two of them are in a room together, I'm like, God damn, they look so much alike. But we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Ted Lasso. And like I said, you know, I'm not a big fan of Jason Sudeikis, but I had just been hearing so much about this show. It's so funny. It's so uh, wholesome and heartwarming. And it's just, it seems like it's such a smash hit. And not for nothing, I think there are a few other things on the Apple network um, that I would like to check out. And I said, all right, why not? You know, I get a week for free. Uh, Let me try it. If I don't like it, I'll just cancel it. You know, let me start with this Ted Lasso. I started binging the first season. I could not stop watching. I pretty much caught up to the second season. And the last three or four episodes, I kind of watched as they unfolded in real time as they were released every Friday. And, you know, I just have to say, if you've never checked this show out, please do. You know, it is everything they say and more. And on that note, I'm going to say, spoiler alert. From here on out, I'll be talking spoilers about both seasons, especially the finale. So again, if you've never seen the show, and especially if you have not seen the season two finale, now's a good time to kind of tune out, because here come the spoilers. 
So just as an overview, you know, as we know, Ted Lasso is basically the story of an American football coach. Uh, I believe he coached Wichita State, basically, you know, taking them from the bottoms of college football up to the Division Three title. And, you know, he ha- kind of has this unique sort of folksy charm. Uh, Ted himself is from Kansas City, either Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri. Not quite sure which one. But he's basically, he's a Midwestern boy. And like I said, he has this down-home sort of folksy charm. Uh, He's just nice guy to a fault. I mean, honestly, you know, we do see him have panic attacks, uh, especially in season two when he starts having the panic attacks. But we never really see him lose his temper, you know. It's it's one of those things, and I kind of wonder this early on. I was like, okay, this guy is way too nice. There's Something's going to happen, and we're just going to see him snap, and it's not going to be pretty. Well, it hasn't happened yet, even though some crazy things have happened to Ted and company. But basically, you know, he's brought over to coach a uh, an English premier soccer team, uh, AFC Richmond, which is a fictional team. And kind of like in a plot, maybe borrowed from Major League, he's brought over to basically ruin the team because we find out that the team over uh, the team owner, a woman by the name of Rebecca, um, recently divorced her husband Rupert very publicly. Very, you know, it was it was a bad divorce. Basically, uh, he was a womanizer and whatnot, and he really left her in ruins. And she was left with majority control of AFC Richmond. And it is her heart's desire to crush and destroy this team. Because, you know, in her words, it's the one thing that her ex-husband Rupert really, really loved. Um, So the thing is, is, you know, if you're not familiar with English Premier League football, it's actually really unique the way the league is set up uh, as a whole. You basically have four teams, like uh, four, I'm sorry, four tiers, A, B, C, and D, uh, the top tier being the premiership, and then the ones below it being the championship. And the thing is, is at the end of the season, um, the bottom two or three teams in you know each sort of division are relegated down, and the top two teams, except of course in the premiership, the top two teams are then promoted up to the league in front of them. And that's and that's you know the situation that we see you know coming into season one is that AFC Richmond, uh, they're pretty much at the bottom of the league, and by the end of the season they actually you know start kind of following Ted's sort of you know like I said down home approach where he turns them from you know a group of individuals into a team and then into a family and basically by the end of the season they are facing relegation and you know spoiler alert for season one they actually are relegated back down to the championship so they go from the a tier down to the b tier and we see that a majority of season two is spent on getting them back up into the premiership now the thing is is with season two for me, like season season one was the kind of the setup and everything. Season two to me was the big sort of character, excuse me, was sort of the big character development series, I guess, where we see everybody from Ted all the way down grow and develop. And it's really, really, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoy character studies. I enjoy watching characters grow and develop. If you ever listen to my review of Shit's Creek, 
One of the things I absolutely loved about that is, yes, it was a very, very funny show. Yes, it's a very quotable show. Eugene Levy is hilarious. Catherine O'Hare is absolutely hilarious. But I loved how the Roses went from these you know, pretty bad people to learning and growing and developing by the time that series ended. And what I really loved about season two of Ted Lasso is how we see these characters grow and evolve. For example, let's take a look at Roy Harper. Roy Harper was an aging midfielder um, by the end of season one, really just trying to hold on to the glory days. You know, in his mind, I'm sure he knew that retirement was looming, but, you know, he just didn't want to accept it. And with the help of Ted and the help of his girlfriend, Keely, he realized that, yeah, it was time to retire. I mean, also not for nothing. And that final match, he did, you know, finally blow out his knee, which had been plaguing him, you know, really most of the season and, and I guess towards the end of his career. So with Roy, we see him kind of accepting, you know, what is it like to be retired? And he takes a job as a, uh, a sportscaster, uh, not so much like reporting the news, but basically one of these, you know, like, like on a panel of former soccer or football, I should say, football coaches and players, you know, when the game of the weeks are coming up, you know, pretty much giving their insight. And the thing is, is Roy loved it because Roy got to be Roy, which is incredibly foul mouthed and telling the truth. And he realized that he he was very good at it, and yes, he did enjoy it, but he knew there was more to his life than that. Um, he started bonding with his niece, Phoebe. We saw her a little bit in the first season. We do see her, more of her here in the second season. He's sort of a surrogate father to her because even though we never see Phoebe's father, according to Roy, he's, and I'm going to have to put up an explicit warning if I'm going to quote Roy Harper, he's a fucking piece of shit. And that's Roy Har Harper, basically, for you right there. Uh, we see his relationship with Keeley develop. We see his relationship with his niece, Phoebe, develop. And we see him realizing that what his true love really is, is to be a coach. I mean, he loves the game of football. We see early on, he's coaching uh, his niece, Phoebe's school team. And it's great how he just treats them like regular footballers. Uh, you know, when they kind of, and, and you know, and it's funny because you know it's coming. You see him there just being foul-mouthed and really laying into his players for slacking off and being lazy. And when they kind of flip the camera around, we see he's talking to a bunch of little girls. And, of course, none of them are looking at him like, oh, my God, what did he just say? Or cower from him or scare. They they actually really love and respect him, you know. Yes, coach. Uh, and... It's great. It's great to see him really grow and develop. It's also great to see the fact that, yes, he has a very, very bad temper, but he learns to get that temper under control. And he learns that, you know, I think he, he kind of learns not to take life as seriously as he always had pretty much his entire career. You know, Roy was a guy that came from a very poor section of London his ticket out was playing football. He became very, very good at it. It was his entire focus. It pretty much was who Roy Harper was, a very hard-nosed playing footballer. Uh, but he's learned that since he's retired, he's learned that there's a lot more to him than just that. Team owner Rebecca. Oh, boy, does she go through a lot of changes in season two. Um, pretty much by the end of season one, she realizes that there is, you know, like Roy, there is more to life than just getting revenge on her ex-husband, Rupert. Um, you know, she pretty much 
where she she kind of saw Ted as an end, you know, a means to an end, uh, destroying, you know, AFC Richmond. She actually, you know, Ted grows on her. You know, Ted grows on a lot of people with his, again, with his folksy charm and everything. Uh, you know, she really kind of comes to realize that she's more than just a woman scorned because pretty much in season one, that's what we see. You know, she's this woman who was wronged by her ex-husband and she was she was wronged by him clearly but she learns that she's got to move past that because she's actually a very (laughs) smart capable and independent woman and you know just just doing this petty revenge this 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 petty jealousy revenge act is really not who she is and she actually wants to see the team grow and develop and she also wants to as an individual grow and develop um, she clearly loved Rupert and his betrayals, his many betrayals really, really hurt her and, you know, really left her scarred for love. And, you know, a good part of season two is her really trying to connect with somebody and find love again, which it kind of looks like she does, you know, well, it, she definitely opens up herself to the possibility of being in love once again. And she ends up she ends up seeking that love in one of the players on her team, uh, a young man by the name of Sam Obasanya. And it's really great how the two of them meet. It's a uh, dating app that sponsors. It's one of the premier uh, sponsors of AFC Richmond. And it's a dating app that does not rely on pictures at all. You basically connect with the person through chatting with them and really kind of learning more about them without sort of that, well, what do they look like? You know, swipe left, swipe right. You know, you see a picture that might not look so good or, you know, you get a certain impression from a picture and you decide to just not even read the profile. I mean, here it's all about reading the profile. And she actually connects, like I said, with one of the players on the team, Sam Obasanya, who's a young player, uh, you know, he's a young player from Nigeria who he himself also goes through a lot of growth and development uh, in this season. In season one, we see that Sam is a very, very good footballer, but he lacks he lacks some confidence. He's having trouble fitting in. He's far from home. He's a young man who's far from home. He's clearly very, very close with his family. And, you know, Ted really kind of helps him fit into this part of family pretty much as he turns AFC Richmond from individuals into a team into a family and in season two he he himself grows as well where he really realizes what a good footballer that he is and what a good person that he is that by the end of the season he attracts the attention of a very wealthy Ghanan individual who wants to buy uh, a team in the African League and pretty much turn it into one of the premier football teams in the world and he wants to lure Sam there and kind of make him a big national hero. Uh, you know, he comes in, he wines and dines him, he talks about homeland and really kind of, you know, tugs on those heartstrings. You know, you need to come back to Africa. You know, you need to come back and represent, you know, not only Nigeria, but the continent of Africa as well. And is definitely a very appealing offer to Sam. And the thing is, is as this is going on, you know, he and Rebecca do have a relationship. Rebecca's not so sure about it. Not so much because of the age difference, not so much because of, you know, the possible scandal of, you know, the owner and the player dating one another. 
she's very fearful about once again opening her heart to somebody that can hurt her, you know, and she expresses that to Sam where she she basically says, you know, you could hurt me and Sam right says right back to her, well, you could hurt me too, but I'm willing to take that chance. And the thing is, Sam decides not to go back to Africa. He wants to stay in England. He wants to stay with AFC Richmond because, you know, for him, he he knows he knows that if he goes back to Africa, he will be an instant star. He'll be an instant celebrity over there. Uh, you know, again, he's very popular in 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 the British Premier League, the English Premier League, and that would translate very well over to him returning to Africa. Especially when we find out that one, the original principal sponsor of AFC Richmond, is an airline that is a, a subsidiary of a oil company that had been doing some, I don't know if it was illegal drilling or definitely not environmentally friendly drilling uh, in his homeland of Nigeria. And Sam basically, call. he takes a stand, he calls them out on it. Uh, Rebecca and the rest of the team stand fully behind him. Uh, there's a great, there's a great uh, episode where Sam's father basically, you know, calls him out and says, you know, how could you how could you represent these people? You know, and when Sam realizes that the airline that owns the team is a subsidiary of pretty much this evil oil company, he decides to take a stand by taking, you know, black uh, duct tape and blocking out the the sponsor's name on his jersey and the rest of the team. Because, again, they are no longer a team. They are a family. They decide to do the same exact thing. And that's what leads them to basically finding a new sponsor. And that is this dating app, which is called Blur. But... Sam realizes that, you know, he can have a huge impact there in the Brit the English Premier League and in England uh, itself as he starts to, you know, as he's trying to decide, you know, should he stay, should he go? And like most of us, you know, he ponders it by taking a long walk and thinking about it. I mean, I know I do that. Sam does that and he starts to see that you know, he sees a bunch of young people in the park all playing football and a lot of them are wearing his jersey. And he realizes that he can have a tremendous impact right where he is. And, you know, season two ends with him purchasing a, uh, a small restaurant and deciding he's going to turn it into a Nigerian restaurant. He is going to bring his culture to, you know, Great Britain. And he's going to be a positive influence there. I think with Sam, he knows that he could very easily be a superstar in Africa, but if he stays in England, not only will he be a superstar, he will be a very influential superstar. And I think for Sam, you know, that's his personal journey. You know, he just doesn't want to be famous. He wants to inspire people. He wants to inspire change. And I think it's great that he decided to stay. Um, a couple other people, you know, that we see kind of go through some some changes and things uh, are Keeley and Jamie Tart. Now, Jamie Tart, of course, he was kind of the big focus of season one. He was sort of that brash, pompous superstar. Um, he seemed to kind of grow up and mature towards the end of season one. Uh, beginning of season two, we see he goes on some crazy reality show, a, a Love Island kind of thing. And he totally blows it. He makes a total fool out of himself. And at the time, he was playing for Manchester City, which is a real team in the British Premiership. And because of this, they pretty much give him the boot, and he goes back to AFC Richmond. 
Now, he doesn't go back like with his tail between his legs and humbled and everything like that. He, however, does go back with a lot of lessons that he did learn in season one um, from Ted and from also interactions with his father, who is very abusive and very, he's a jerk. He's, he's just a major jerk. And the thing is with Jamie Tart is he realizes all throughout season one, you know, before Roy, he is dating Keeley. And Keeley tries to bring out the best in him. And, of course, he resists because he's the young, brash star. He knows better. And he realizes that all the things that Keeley was saying to him, all the things that Ted was saying to him were very, very true. And we really see him pretty much humble himself and become part of the team, become part of the family, and very maturely, you know, going to Keeley, where in the past... He would go to Keeley basically looking for booty calls. He, uh, in the episode where Rebecca's father passes away and they're at the funeral, he comes up to her and he basically tells her that the reason, one of the reasons that he came back to Richmond is because he is still very much in love with her because, because of her, he became a better person. You know, she saw the better person in him. She tried to bring it out. He resisted. But when he realized that she was right and he did make those changes, he liked himself better as he is now, and he wanted to thank her for it. And he, you know, very, very humbly says, you know, I know you're with Roy and I know you love Roy, but, you know, I am I would kick myself if I didn't say that I'm in love with you too. And that's all I'm going to say on that. When Roy does find out, when Keeley tells him and Roy goes to confront him, of course, both of these characters have grown. You know, Jamie confesses it to him. He doesn't try to hide, hide it. He doesn't try to deny it. He actually mans up and he and he tells Roy and he says, I did say it. I had to say it. And, you know, I promise you I will stay out of your way. You know, I, it's just something that I had to do. And I, I'm not going to try to come between you and Keeley. The old Roy Har- the old Roy Harper would have like, you know, headbutted him pretty much. But, you know, he's like, oh, my God, I'm a changed man, too. And he actually ends up forgiving Jamie. So it's like, again, it's nice to see these characters grow and develop. Keely as well, you know, goes from being kind of this cutesy girl in season one to starting to become, you know, this PR person. Ted is the one that kind of puts her on the path saying, look, you're more than just a pretty face. You're more than just kind of this Insta celebrity or whatever it is that you are. You're actually a very intelligent and capable young woman. It's actually Rebecca that really, really helps bring it out. Ted kind of gives her the push, and, you know, because of that, it opens up a door for Keeley where she does PR for the team, and she actually becomes, you know, Rebecca's mentee. And by the end of season two, she's getting an offer to pretty much start her own PR firm, and it's all because of, you know, Ted giving her that initial push and Rebecca believing in her and growing her and developing her. And again, you know, I really love this in shows. I love seeing the growth. I love seeing the development. Um, you know, even smaller characters like Higgins. You know, Higgins, who's who, you know, we saw him as the sniveling assistant in season one, starts to stand up to Rebecca. You know, what was great about Higgins is, is Higgins realized that he's really more than just that. He's just more than a sniveling assistant. You know, he had been Rupert's assistant. He had covered for Rupert while, you know, Rupert was having all these illicit affairs. And... You know, he was just trying to he was just trying to play whatever side of the the fence kind of, you know, buttered his toast, basically, to really try to save his own skin. He became his own man and he realized that, you know, his opinion matters, his thoughts matters, and he's actually a very good and decent person. I think what's interesting is, is when we see Higgins, 
in season one, you know, he kind of seems to be very beleaguered with his job. Uh, he's got three kids and the wife, and they seem a little sort of like he's kind of very, very flustered around them. And it's almost sort of the impression of, oh, my God, he's going to have a nagging wife. The kids are going to totally hate him and this and that. There's a great episode in season two. It's the Christmas episode where we find out that, you know, during the Christmas season, Higgins will often say to the players, hey, if none of you have a home, because a lot of them are, you know, foreign born and, and from, you know, many different countries. If you don't have any place to go for Christmas, my door is always open. And it seems maybe, you know, in past one or two have come by. But since Ted has created this whole family atmosphere and Leslie, that's his, that's Higgins' first name, uh, since Leslie is really part of that family and he's a really genuinely nice guy, a majority of the team actually shows up and it's sort of, you know, like by the end of the episode, you know, Higgins is saying this is the sort of their new family tradition is to really open their doors to the players of AFC Richmond and have them come in and they all learn it from each other because we have many different cultures kind of coming together. How do they celebrate the holidays? How do they celebrate Christmas? Hey, how do Higgins and his family celebrate the holidays and Christmas? And they all kind of learn from one another. And I think what was really, really great about it is, you know, we see that Higgins and his wife have a beautiful relationship. You know, they, they, he talks about how they fell in love. He really, you know, and when he talks about her, you could see that she is the love of his life. And you could see that his children love and respect him. And again, character growth, character development, I think it's really, really good. All righty. We got to talk about it. We got to talk about Nate. Nate the Great. Nate is a character that he went uh, from being what they call a kit manager, which is basically, you know, the equipment boy, uh, all the way up to an assistant coach. And, you know, it's great because Ted believed in him. You know, we see Ted just has that charm. Ted, you know, sees the good and he sees the potential in everybody and he wants to bring it out. Um, Nate initially in season one is very kind of shocked at, first of all, anybody is really talking to him, calling him by his name. And we see, you know, as he becomes an assistant coach, he starts to get a little bit more confidence in everything. But we also kind of see shades of what happens or what's going to happen in season two. So the thing is, is Nate wants to better himself. Nate wants to believe in himself more. He wants to have more self-confidence. He knows that he has the ability to go out there and get what he wants. He just needs to believe in himself. And Ted believes in him. Keely believes in him. Rebecca believes in him. Everybody believes in him. And they give him that push. And they tell him that, yes, Nate, you are a very good person and you do deserve good things. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I know the the season two finale and leading up to it, I mean, we kind of see, you know, what some people will call the downfall of Nate or Nate turning to the dark side, where he really just goes postal on Ted and ends up, you know, we see at the end of season two and sort of like a time jump that he, you know, Rupert purchases a majority share of another premiership team, uh, West Ham United, which again is a real premiership. Uh, team and he hires Nate as the head coach. Now the thing is, in that season two finale, you know we know it's coming to a head. We've seen it kind of all season long. We've seen Nate really just starting to boil over, just really losing his patience, um, losing his patience with Ted, losing his patience really just with everybody, and just seeing him being very disgruntled and very dissatisfied. 
And the thing is, is I think a lot of people were sort of like, well, where the heck is this coming from? And who does this guy think he is? And not for nothing, I did think that a little bit. After watching, you know, the the finale, uh, I watched it again uh, one or two more times. I did watch some videos on it. And it really made me think. And the thing is, is that Nate isn't entirely wrong in what he does and especially what he says to Ted. Yes, Ted gave him that chance. Ted made him an assistant coach and Ted really believed in him. And, you know, everybody else believed in him. Keely believed in him and Rebecca believed in him so much so that, you know, Rebecca mentors him a little bit to basically, you know, learn to stand up for himself. Uh, there's the episode where it's his parents' anniversary. He wants to take them to their favorite, I think it's Greek restaurant, and he really wants the table in the window. And he initially goes in and he asks for it. And in a typical Nate fashion, he's a little meek about it. And when they say no, he tries to make a nice logical explanation. And they pretty much see this guy's a milk toast. We could say no to him as much as we want. It'll never, never happen. And when he does, you know, when he realizes that, you know, he needs some help and some coaching, Keely and Rebecca kind of mentor him like, this is how you get what you want. You're not being obnoxious. You're not being a jerk. You're not being an a-hole about it, but you're standing up for yourself. When they do go to the restaurant and the the hostess seats them in the corner and we see his father's dissatisfaction. This is also part of why, you know, Nate kind of turns out the way he does. He definitely wants to please his father, who seems to be almost impossible to please. You know, Nate goes back and he stands up for himself. And again, you know, he's not rude. He's not obnoxious. You know, he just stands up for himself. He's like, look, the table in the window is absolutely available. And I told you that I wanted it. You know, you are going to give it to me. And they do. You know, they do give it to him. I do think it's funny, though, that he then tries to ask the hostess out. And she's sort of like, you know, don't push your luck, pal. But we see that, you know, Nate Nate learns to believe in himself. And again, I think that's a great thing. And that was definitely fostered by Ted. But a couple of things happen here. When he's having it out with Ted in, in the finale, the season two finale, he basically says, you know, you cast me aside. You ignored me. And I was sort of like, what is he talking about? He made you an assistant coach. But when I went back and I watched some videos on it and I watched some of the uh, episodes in season two, unintentionally, unintentionally, Ted does kind of forget about him. Yeah. You know, Nate's really not wrong about that. I mean, it's really evident when Roy, you know, Roy joins the staff as an assistant coach. You know, you, you see Nate is sort of like, uh, okay, well, what's happening here? You know, now now you want this, you, you want this guy here, this guy who you clearly think is an alpha and not me. Um, we see in another episode when the new team captain, Isaac, is clearly struggling and uh, you know, Ted and Coach Beard and Roy and Nate are are in Ted's office and talking about it. And they agree that somebody needs to talk to Isaac. You know, Nate steps up. Nate's like, well, you know, I'll do it. And Ted kind of kind of almost laughs at him like, really? Like, you're serious? Like, like you? You know, and, and, and that's the thing is, is in a way, I understand where Ted is coming from because Nate, you know, doesn't seem like the type that could go and do that to, to stand up to somebody like Isaac. Um, you know, you, you kind of need somebody who's more of Isaac speed, which is why he ends up choosing Roy and asking Roy to help him out with it, you know, but that stings. I mean, that really, really stings. I mean, Ted definitely could have handled it better. And, and even after, you know, and I think, you know, even after Ted kind of initially laughed at it, 
I still think he could have handled it a little bit better. He just kind of ignores it and passes it on. And this is definitely a shortcoming of Ted Lasso as a person. You know, and we see further examples too. Uh, like I said, you know, when he tries to stand up for himself to get a table, he's not able to do it, but he finally learns how to do it. Um, his, his treatment of the new kit manager or equipment manager basically really degrading him. And I think part of that is, and this is, this is really a shortcoming in Nate, is I think Nate is kind of worried like, hey, I started out as a kit manager and Ted believed in me and I became an assistant coach. What if Ted does the same thing with this kid? So Nate really tries to squash this kid because, you know, he's he's afraid. He's sort of like, hey, I deserve to be where I am. I don't want you thinking you deserve it at all. And that's the thing. Nate believes in himself and Nate, you know, goes after what he feels he deserves. And, you know, he rightly does deserve. But the shortcoming of Nate is the fact that, you know, he thinks that, hey, I need to make myself better and I need to get the things that I want, but I also need to crush the people beneath me to get there and make sure they don't get up to my level. And the thing is, is I think we see signs of him acting like that and Ted either doesn't see it or chooses to ignore it or with his sort of folksy down-home wisdom is sort of like, ah, it'll all work out in the end. Don't worry about it. So, Part of the blame does go to Nate for his behavior, but again, I think a big part of it really does fall back on Ted. You know, and again, in that final sort of confrontation between Nate and Ted at the end of season two, Nate says something to him which initially sounds like, oh my God, that that was mean, that was cold. How dare you say that? And I'm referring to the fact that, you know, he tells Ted, you don't belong here. I belong here. You should be back in Kansas with your son. And I was like, whoa, dude, that's really, really harsh. But then when I thought about it, I watched a video or two about it. I realized Nate's really not wrong about that. You know, Ted really, you know, kind of comes out in this season and basically says that one of the main reasons that he came all the way over to England and take over this job with with AFC Richmond is because his marriage was falling apart and his wife asked for some space and he decided to do it. And yes, we see the episode in season one where his son comes to visit. And yes, we do see him FaceTime with his son quite often. But let's not forget when Ted starts having his panic attacks and he talks to Dr. Sharon, one of the first things he says is that, you know, when he was young, he was uh, 13, 14 years old, I believe he said, his father committed suicide. And the thing that really got to Ted was the fact that, you know, he thought of his father as this really great man. And his father seemed like a great man who probably had a lot of, you know, inner demons and a lot of inner turmoil. And that's why he ended up doing what he did. But Ted was like, he just left. He just left. He left. He abandoned me. How dare he? He didn't even think about that. He didn't think about how that would affect my mother. He didn't think about how that would affect me. Ted, you're doing the same thing. I understand that things with your wife are not working out great, but you are basically abandoning your son. Yes, you brought him over. Yes, you know, you FaceTime with him and you connect with him. But maybe the way Nate says it comes off as a little mean, but Nate's actually not that wrong. He should be back in Kansas City. He should be with his son. He shouldn't be hiding all the way over here and abandoning him and basically doing the same thing that his father did. And, you know, because of that, anger that Ted had at his father for leaving him. This is why Ted starts having panic attacks. And, you know, yes, 
Ted does kind of start to work through them. And yes, I think it's great that in that season finale, when, you know, it comes to light that, you know, during a major soccer match, he had a panic attack. That's why he had to leave. He didn't have food poisoning like a lot of people speculated. Um, He said that, you know, he owned up to it. And he basically said, I think we need to have a very serious conversation about mental health and sports. And I think that was great. But Nate is really not that wrong in what he says. I mean, his delivery is very, very harsh and it really, really hurts. And he definitely wanted to hurt Ted by saying it, but he's not completely wrong in saying it. So I think this brings us up to, hey, what's going to come up in season three? So season one was kind of like the development of, you know, hey, what's this Ted Lasso thing all about? Season two is, hey, we have a great cast of characters, main characters and supplementary characters, and we're going to grow and develop them and really flesh them out. And hey, guess what? By the end of season two, we're giving you a villain. Ted Lasso is going to have a nemesis, you know, in the form of uh, Rupert and in Nate and West Ham United. And going forward with season three, that's what we're going to see. I think we're going to see Sam continue to grow and kind of grow his brand and grow his influence uh, in AFC Richmond and in England in general. We're going to see Rebecca really now she has, you know, now she has a big struggle. Yes, Sam is back. Yes, you know, she can have a relationship with him. She can love him. But now her main nemesis, Rupert, is back. You know, how is she going to deal with the fact that now he's an owner, she's an owner. They're clearly going to go head to head. And then there's Nate. You know, what's going to happen when these two teams play? What's going to happen in interactions between Ted and Nate? It's going to be really interesting seeing where the show goes from here. I totally, totally enjoy it. And listen, if you made it this far and you've never even watched the show and I just gave you a whole bunch of spoilers, what are you still doing listening? Press pause. Go get Apple TV. <laughs> you know, it's it's free for a week. And trust me, if you really enjoy this show, you will binge through it in just about a week if you really can do it. It's a great show. I really love talking about it. And I look forward to seeing what happens in season three. Guys, as always, do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I post pictures about the content that I talk about. Know it all. Thanks for listening. I'll definitely talk to you guys later.